Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I have wore myself out. I am blessed to be in his house today. For I am persuaded. You know what that word means? I'm convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or depth or any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I don't have any idea how you're still sitting there. There's not one thing person, demon, concept, idea that can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You have no idea how I want to shout and blow this microphone off of my head and y'all would be messed up. I want to run from one side of this room to the other. Something, well, we know what it is. It is bubbling inside of me because Jesus is alive and well. This side over here didn't hear what I said. Jesus is alive and well. Praise his holy name. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're in our last uh, week of the study called Imprisoned. And I just praise God right up front that I'm not imprisoned. Amen? I praise God that I'm not physically incarcerated, imprisoned. I praise God that I'm not locked into a spiritual condition that I'm imprisoned. I thank God this morning that my soul is free in Jesus' name and that there are no chains holding me down and there is no wall in front of me that I cannot get over. Amen. Years and years ago, I used to just say years, but now I'm old, so I say years and years ago. On Tuesday mornings, I had the opportunity uh, to do some jail ministry. <clears throat> and uh, me and a, a team of people that were at the church I was attending at the time would go downtown Charlotte to 4th Street where the, the jail is there. And we had the opportunity to go in and do Bible studies with the, with the inmates there. And so go, going through security, I'm sure it's changed now, but going through security was enough. I mean, that was a process to search through your Bible and make sure you didn't have any contraband in there and check your pockets and ask you questions and go through that whole thing every Tuesday. But then as the, the, the prison guard, the person that was assigned to uh, take us up to the, the room that we were going to be in would lead us down these hallways, doors on both sides, just long hallways and places and turn this corner and Every time you went through another corridor, you'd hear a door behind you slam shut. 
You'd hear the lock click, and it does something up here to your psyche that you're behind one more door that's locked. And then he'd take you into a cell block, and that's where they'd say, okay, you're going to be in this room, and you're going to be in this room, so you split up. And they take me up to the second floor of the cell block, and eyes are on you at that point. Everybody's watching to see what you're doing, what you're there for, and what you're going to do. And they'd say, here's the room that you're going to be in, and they'd unlock the door and open it, and in you would go. And I stood in this room where we were going to have this Bible study every Tuesday morning, and I was in there by myself. I heard the door lock when the gentleman left that took me there, and he'd say, I'll be right back. Now, he was going to the cell block to announce that Bible study was now, and if you wanted to go to it, come on. And while I stood in the room waiting on whoever would come to that Bible study on that Tuesday morning, I remembered that just moments earlier, we stood in the courtyard of the jail in downtown Charlotte, and we gathered in a circle and we held hands to pray before that morning's Bible studies and services, and we prayed for peace. Say peace. We prayed for peace. And here's why we prayed for peace specifically, because it would only take one of those inmates to decide he was going to get riled up and say something. It would only take one inmate that they would find a piece of contraband on. It would only take one inmate to get mouthy with the guard and the whole entire place would go locked down. And instead of my hour and 15 minute Bible study being an hour and 15 minutes, it just turned into an eight hour excursion sitting in a room to find out who did it, why they did it, and see if we've got this thing under control before we let anything else happen. There were Tuesday mornings where we were just about to start Bible study and that door would open and they'd say, everybody out. And while I was gathering my Bible and trying to figure out what I needed to do, he would say, you, stay put, don't move. And he'd take all the inmates out of the room and there I stood alone again. And that's why we got together and that's why we prayed for peace because not only did we not have the time in our own busy schedules because we all worked jobs and we were volunteering to go to the jail and do these Bible studies and we had a heart to do that, but we didn't want to spend eight hours there. We didn't want to be hurt. We wanted to go home to our families. We needed peace to fall upon that jail, to fall upon those inmates and have peace in every area of it. We pray for peace when a tragedy happens in our world, when a terrorist attack happens, when a natural disaster occurs, when somebody does us wrong, when we get an opportunity to go to a hospital room where there's a family crying because something's wrong with a loved one. We pray for peace. We pray that God and His Holy Spirit would send that peace. So keep that in mind as we look this morning at chapter 4 of Philippians, that peace is important to us. Would you turn to the person beside you and say, peace is important to you. We pray for peace. We want peace. We put up the peace sign and say, hey, let's have peace. There's been movements generation after generation because of war normally, because of turmoil in our world, and people stand in the streets and demand peace. It's what we desperately need in Belmont, North Carolina today. Because we live in a world, as we know, where there's turmoil and 
There's always somebody trying to stir something up. And so as we look to the, the scripture and we remember that Paul, who wrote this to the church at Philippi, is in a jail cell. It's not the first time, but he's behind bars. And he's the guy that's writing to the church to remind them of these things. And so he starts out, and, I, and in my Bible, the subheading starts at verse 2, and I almost skipped verse 1, but he starts out and says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. What is he talking about? We haven't even got into the chapter yet. He's talking about what? He's talking about all the things he just told them in chapter 3, of how they were to be reminded of all of the things that God had done for them he reminds them in chapter 3 and says, those things I just told you are how you should stand firm in the Lord. Do you know how many people are wavering in their faith? Not just in this church, but in churches all across Gaston County and all across the world. People show up and sit on chairs and pews just like you, but they're wavering. They're not standing firm. They, they have no solid convictions. They have no foundation that they're standing on. They're, they're sort of on the edge and they're all the time feeling like, uh, I might fall off. Boy, I hope I don't. Maybe I just should go to church on Sunday morning. Maybe that'll put me back where I need to be. Paul's talking to people like that. And he said, stand firm in the Lord. Did he say stand firm in the government? Stand firm in the political system? Stand firm in the people around you? No. He said, find your foundation, find your firmness in the Lord. I love that he had those people out there. He's behind the jail cell door, but he had the people out there in the churches, the brothers and sisters in Christ, that he had gone in and done his missionary work and planted churches, and now he sits in jail, and he's got them on his mind. How many of us would have us on our mind? Probably. I'm behind a jail cell. I, I can't get out. My freedom has been revoked. I'm not worried about them, I'm worried about me, would be our typical way to think about that. But Paul is talking and thinking about those people. He says, I long for you, I, I love for you. He even calls them my joy and crown. Will you write that down somewhere today? There's some people in your life that need to know they're your joy and your, and your crown. Maybe you should tell them this week. Maybe you should give them a call and say, you know, I had you on my mind, you're my joy and crown. He continues and pleads with Oida and, and Sintik to agree with each other. There's two ladies in the church congregation and, and they're not getting along. And he's addressed this through the whole letter. And he says, I need you guys to, to get along. And so Paul addresses them and, and says, I need you to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, local uh, loyal yoke follower, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he, he, he's extending to them while he's sitting behind the bars. He's extending out and calling out some people who are having a disagreement in the church that he found out. And he's saying, I need you to get along. And he's invoking the help of others that are in the church and saying, will you please help them get along? Please help them to see that everybody's on the same team and their names are in the book of life. Why is he addressing that? Why is he addressing that to us this morning? Why do we need to read that? Because he's asking that there would be peace in the church. He's asking 
that there would be peace amongst people who say that they're Christians and say that they're Christ followers who, who come into the, the church house and, and, and come into the churches at that time and say, we do great things for God. He's saying, well, if you can do great things for God and you're all on the same team, then can you get along? Find a way to get along. He's asking them for peace. It's about relationship. Oh, how many times do we come back to that here? It's about relationship with one another. That's what we were created to have is a relationship with God first and a relationship with other people. Has anybody ever heard that before? Does anybody know the mission of Connections Church? To connect God and people together. It's about relationship. And he's saying we got to have peace in our relationships. Don't miss that this morning. That's why we have activities and things at Connections Church and ask you to come and be a part of them because we want to build community. We want to build relationship. That's why we have connect groups that happen all week long, every week. We encourage you to get involved in that because therein lies relationship. So he implores them, find a way to get along with each other and agree with each other. And then he continues in verse four and says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then I like this part. I'll say it again, Paul says, rejoice. Now, mama had to tell me several times in the past something at least twice. Anybody else? I was a little thick-headed, and I didn't always get it the first time. Some of y'all are first-timers, and and, uh, mama tells you something, and you went straight to it, right? No. And I think that's the mindset that hit me when I read this. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. He could have stopped there, but he said, again I say. He was emphasizing it. He's pleading with those of us who are reading this letter, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Know that he is your God. Know that you can have a relationship with him. He says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Does he want us to just be happy all the time? Is that what this is all about? Is just He's encouraging us to just make ourselves happy, find a way to be happy, find a way to buy the next big thing or, or find the next human being that would make us happy? Absolutely not. He didn't say that everything would be pumpkin spice. Have you seen pumpkin spice dish detergent? I don't want my dishes to smell like pumpkins. I want them to smell like gain or something like that that smells good. I just want them to be clean. I don't need them to smell pumpkin spicy. We do everything in the world that we can possibly do to try to just make ourselves happy. And some people live under the preface that that's what God is most concerned about for you too. He just wants me to be happy. I'm here today to tell you that is not his primary concern. His, your happiness is not his primary concern. The picture that Paul was painting sitting in that sterile prison cell when he said rejoice is much deeper than that superficial happiness that we would paint in our minds. He said to rejoice is to revel. I like to bring up words that we don't use a lot in our vocabulary. Many Sundays ago, I preached a message and used the word convinced several times in that message. And Miss Lisa made me this shirt and a coffee cup that said convinced. I challenged every one of you that week to go to work and use that word, go to school and use that word. 
And so this morning, I bring you revel. What is in the world does that mean to revel in something? It means with all of our might, with all of our strength, with all of our heart, to bring praise to our great, big, capable God. Oh, I like what I just said. With all of my heart, with all of my strength, and the word itself, if you went back to the original, rejoice, not only means revel, but it means to do something. Isn't that funny how words always end up being action words that we up here talking about? You're just thinking, well, maybe somebody's going to preach something today, and I can go home and just process that, and I don't actually have to step out and do anything. You're at the wrong church. Because to rejoice and to revel in God's great goodness means that we've got to step out and do something. You should have already wrote that down. I need to do something. I can't come into God's house or God's presence. Let me just rephrase it like that because it doesn't always have to happen here. Let me say that again because some of you didn't hear that. To rejoice God, to revel in Him, doesn't always have to happen here. This is God's house, and we will make sure He is being praised in this house. But what about your house? Is He being praised in your house? Are you reveling and rejoicing in your house? If I stopped by one day, knocked on the door unexpected, you didn't know I was coming, put my ear to the door, what am I going to hear going on inside your house? We need to revel in Him. We need to rejoice in Him. Paul emphasized and said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. The message version, listen to this, the message version of this verse says, celebrate God all day, every day, and I mean revel in Him. All day, every day. You say, well, I got to go to work. Okay, do that. But take Him with you to work. And while you're at work, now, don't get yourself fired, but you might just sneak around to the other side of the copy machine where there ain't nobody in there and say, oh, Jesus, I rejoice in you today because that brother down the hallway that's always got some negative, nasty thing to say to me, I just walked past his door and he didn't say a word. Oh, Jesus, thank you for that. Oh, thank you that I got the kids to daycare this morning on time. You are my God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I love that. I love that it's not just an expression of salutation. Don't ever read your word and say, well, that's just the beginning of it. He was just, he was just writing on there, you know, to whom it may concern. Don't ever think that there's a word or an exclamation point or a jot or a tittle in there that doesn't mean something, that wasn't placed there by God. It was not just a salutation. It's a compelling command from a man that's in prison behind bars and has no reason to even have any joy in his life except the fact that he's got Jesus living inside of him. That he knows who God is. That he's got the Holy Spirit at work inside of him. And he says you can rejoice in the Lord. It's not just a, a quick song that we write about being happy or having joy. It's about rejoicing in the Lord. You need to rejoice in the Lord. I need to rejoice in the Lord. We need to rejoice together in the Lord. And we need to get that right more often. He says it twice because he doesn't mean just rejoice and be done with it. He means even after you 
joiced, joice again. Rejoice. Do it again. Repeat. Have y'all ever heard Pete and repeat were in the boat and Pete fell out? Who's left? Some of you got it. Some of you didn't. That's step number one. Rejoice in the Lord. Write that down. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then Paul writes and continues and says in verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I took this as I would, Mr. Literal Bible Reader up here, and I put it in the perspective of when the parents were watching. I did some things that I wasn't supposed to do when I wasn't being watched. You guys have done some things when you weren't being watched that you shouldn't have done. But Paul reminds us the Lord is watching. So be gentle. And don't overlook the word evident there. Make sure you be gentle and make it evident. Now don't misinterpret. Don't take me wrong. I didn't tell you to go out and be cocky. I didn't tell you to go out and post yourself on the street corner and make sure everybody can see you. Those things are negative, and those things we're warned not to do, not to go out and show ourselves and think that we're holier than thou and make sure. But in this, in gentleness, we're commanded and asked and compelled and encouraged to make our gentleness be evident. Who do we need to be evident to? What? Doesn't it tell us who? Didn't we just read it? Be evident to all. That's an important word right there. All. So, let's go through the categories. Who's included in all? Come on. Everybody. My family, Pastor? Yes, your family is part of all. What about the people that sit on the other side of the church? I don't even like them. All. They're included too. What about the people that work? All. What about the people at school? All. What about my enemies? All. I've got to be gentle to all. What in the world does it mean to be gentle anyway? Are you saying that I've got to come up and, uh, you know, the picture that's kind of painted, I always picture a little woolly lamb and he just comes up and he just wants to kind of rub his head right there on your leg. Just real gentle. Just real gentle. Caring. Fair. Uh Uh-oh, I had a nerve there. Fair. In this context, Paul is telling people, be gentle, be kind, be caring, be fair when they deal with each other. Race doesn't play into this. Beliefs don't play into this. Political parties don't play into this. This is all people. I've got to be gentle to all people and I've got to make sure that I do it gently and it's evident. Have y'all seen the commercial on TV lately for the HVAC company that says, if you're gonna switch your system from heat to cooling or whatever it is, to do it how? Gently. I think 
there's nothing to that, to be honest, in an HVAC system. But when it comes to our relationships with people, I think it's important, and Paul thought it was important, to say, be gentle. Don't go at it hard. Turn yourself on them gently. Remind them of things gently. Paul's saying you need to pay better attention to how we interact with each other. We can't influence somebody for, the, for Christ when we're in there yelling and screaming and going at them and telling them that they're going to turn or burn. We can't get them into the kingdom by not forming a relationship. And Paul reminds them in all of your dealings with everybody out there, deal with them gently. That's not the world that we live in. The world that we live in wants to raise their voice and they encourage us to do the same. They want to get a picket sign. They want to go out and yell and scream and say, we've got a right. Is there anybody else here that's just sick and tired of hearing people say, it's my right? Oh, it's my right to be this way. It's my right to feel this way. It's my right to, to, to stand here if I want to stand here. It's my right. Here's, what, here's the news flash for you this morning. If you're a follower of Christ, you have no rights. You only have privileges. I don't have any right to go and stand and scream in somebody else's face. I do have the privilege to go in and be gentle and make sure that that's evident. Be gentle in all of your communications and make sure that it's evident. He continues and says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't have worries? No. That's not what he said. Don't have fears? Don't, don't have stress and trouble and things going on? No, that's not what he said. As a matter of fact, just by addressing this, Paul is conceding that you're going to have some. You're going to have some anxiousness. You're going to have some fear. There's going to be some stuff that's going to upset you. But what Paul is saying in that is take all of the anxiousness and turn it into prayers. Who's hearing that this morning? Turn all of your anxiousness into prayers. I'm not downplaying the fact that many, many, many people deal with anxiety and fear and, 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 and all of the, the package of things that come with that. I'm not downplaying that all this morning. I'm not saying to you that you could just flip a switch and turn that off. I am saying that through this word, Paul has encouraged all of us and them there when he wrote this letter to them to take all of that, take that anxiety and turn it into prayers. Take everything that worries you and turn it into prayer. Anxiety means troubled with cares. It means things that are, are keeping you depressed and down. Take all of that and don't let those things consume you and trouble you in your spirit. I'd like to say to somebody this morning, let troubles and anxieties be where they are. And you just latch on to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and start to worship and praise Him anyway. We sang a song not too long, many minutes ago, about worshiping and praising Him where? In the storm. Do you think Paul had any anxiety? Any fears? Any troubles? I would assume he did. And as a matter of fact, I know he did because I read the pages that came before this. 
And he's saying with urgency and with some compassion here too, turn your anxiety into fears. I know you've got family worries, job worries, health worries, things seem impossible, things that we have in our lives that seem insurmountable. Turn those things into prayers. Prayer is a communication with God so that you can build your relationship with God. It's a communication with God so you can build your relationship with God. I've said this so many times, I'm tired of saying it, but I'm going to say it again. When you met your wife, your spouse, the person that you're dating, you're trying to have a relationship with them, y'all don't just sit and stare at each other, do you? Now, Julie and I do that because we've been married over 25 years, so sometimes we're just staring at each other. And I don't know what she's thinking. She might be thinking, how in the world did I get here with this guy? But when you're building a relationship, somebody hear this this morning, we're, we're not there with God yet. We're building a relationship with Him. Amen? We're, we're not already there. I'm knocking you right off the high horse that you thought you were on. You're not there. I'm not there either. We're building. When you're building a relationship, you sit down and you talk to somebody. Say, what's your favorite color? What do you like to eat? See, now you all got me stirred up. What's your favorite song? What kind of music? You go through the process of getting to know somebody. Some of you stopped at the door the day you got down on your knees and said, Jesus, come in. He did. He saved you. And then you thought, this is it. It's done. It's not done. That's what discipleship's all about. You got to build a relationship. And then you got to take that relationship and go out and tell somebody else about the relationship you have with Jesus Christ and how it can impact and change their lives. You're not done. You got to build it. That's what prayer does. Oh, God, I had a bad day. That's what you would tell your wife when, you, when she comes in. She asked you, how was your day? She didn't really want you to say, but you said it anyway. I had a bad day, honey. That's what God wants to do. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to tell him, I'm scared right here, my God. I know you got me, but I can't help these emotions that I'm feeling inside right now. I feel like I'm about to fall off the cliff. He wants to hear you say that. He wants you to cry out to him for help. Hey, I don't know what to do. I got five jobs in front of me. I don't know which one to take. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you guide and direct me? Talk to him. There's something to be said for some quiet time where you sit in humble adoration of who he is and you don't open your mouth. But there's other times when you say, oh my God, I'm about to blow up inside. I love you so much. And so it's in that prayer and that communication that the anxiousness, listen, and the fear has to move out. Those two things can't coexist. Will somebody hear me this morning? You can't be depressed and fearful and anxious and down in the dumps when you're praising your Lord. That's why we compel you and encourage you when we come into God's house and he starts strumming that guitar and that music starts playing. It doesn't matter how you feel. Would you please just... Praise the Lord. You can stand in your seat and do this, and I'm good with that. I'm not telling you how to worship your God. That's between you and him. I'm telling you what I have to do. I got to get up. I can't praise him sitting down. I can't even praise sitting down. Some of y'all just noticed that about me. I can't. I just can't do it. I've got to get up and worship my God. Something's got to come out of me. And when I do, when I'm praising my God, and I walk around my house, I wait till Julie goes to work, and I walk around my house, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I praise your holy name today. 
You are worthy of all my praise. And I can't be anxious and fearful at the same time. It doesn't work. They're oil and water. They won't mix. So if you want to get rid of the fear and anxiety in your life, will you just worship your God? Don't worry about tomorrow, he says. I got you. But I feel like I'm worrying. And I feel, I know. But he told you he's got you. Worship him. Praise his holy name. So we got three things that we've talked about. Number one, rejoice in the Lord. Number two, let your gentleness be evident to all. And number three, don't be anxious about anything. Turn your anxiousness into prayers. It's like a recipe is what I'm trying to get you to see. It's like if you do those three things, something's going to happen. Guess what? Something's going to happen. He continues and he says, if you do those three things, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Some of you struggle to guard your hearts and minds. I struggle to guard my heart and mind. You say, well, pastor, you don't get up every morning and put on the full armor of God? I absolutely do. But that doesn't mean that I don't struggle to guard my heart and mind. Paul's saying, I understand that that's a struggle for you. Church at Philippi, church in general, Connections Church in Belmont. Maybe you attend somewhere else. Don't remove yourself from the category right here. He says, I know you struggle sometimes to guard your hearts and minds. If you'll rejoice in the Lord always, be gentle with everybody, and turn your anxiousness into praise, I will guard it for you. Hallelujah. When I went into the jail cell downtown Charlotte, and the guard would come back after telling me, wait right here, I'll be right back. He'd open that door and about 15 to 20 guys in orange jumpsuits, bigger than I was, would come pouring into that room. Lord, rejoice in you. I'm gonna be gentle with these people. I need a guard. I felt like I needed a guard. It was intimidating. It was just little old me. I need a guard, I need somebody else to do it for me. If one of them had decided that they were gonna take me out, guess what? I was gonna get took out. There was nothing I could do about it. They had me outnumbered. Somebody hear this. They had me outnumbered. They had me surrounded. But Paul said, if you'll do these things and be consistent with them and make them a part of your life, he will guard your heart and mind for you. Did that pull the responsibility off of me? Sorta, of, kinda, of, yeah. Lord, I'm doing my part. I'm seeing what your word says. And then I'm counting on you to do your part. Will he do it? Is he faithful? He's going to guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. I need somebody to guard my heart. Write that down. I need somebody to guard my heart. I can't guard my heart on my own. Jeremiah said our hearts are wickedly and deceitful above all things. Do you really think you have the power in and of yourself to guard your heart? Let me ask you this. How many times have you failed? So now tell me how much power you got. You can't do it. You don't have the power inside of you to do it. Somebody has to do it for you. And that would be God. And that is what Paul is saying here is do these things. And then he says, finally, brothers. And I like this part. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. 
Think on these things. So let me ask you this, Facebook people, Instagramming, tweeting people, what you thinking about? What you thinking about? Because here's what you're spreading, and I'm about to drop myself off of Facebook and not even look at it. Here's what you're spreading. You're not spreading things that are worthy, things that are praiseworthy. Some of you are spreading some stuff that drags everybody down with you. Paul says, think on things that are true and pure and lovely. So where's our heads? Where is our head? Where are our minds? What are we thinking about on a constant basis? He said, you've got to think on things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. These are the things to think on. Things that are excellent. Things that are praiseworthy. Whatever you learned and received or heard from me, Paul says, or, or, or seen me do, put them into practice. Put those things into practice. So write this down somewhere. Practice my thinking. Practice my thinking. If you want to be a great baseball player, some of us are born with a little more talent than others, but if you want to be a great baseball player, regardless of what you're born with, you're going to have to do what? Practice. You're going to have to go out there and make sure that you know all the fundamentals of the game. You're going to have to make sure that you know how to communicate with your teammates. You're going to have to make sure that when you know the pitcher's about to throw the ball, you pretty much know if it's a fastball or a curveball coming. You've got to practice the game. Practice this. Practice thinking about good stuff. When you find yourself wallering down in there thinking about stuff that isn't lovely and isn't noble and isn't peaceful, all of that. You got to pull yourself out of that. How do I do that? Worship your God. Praise his holy name. Oh man, I just caught myself thinking some things I shouldn't have been thinking. Lord, I worship you today. When you do that, those thoughts have to leave. They can't stay there. This isn't a positive thinking message. This is a scriptural, biblical message that says, don't think on things you're not supposed to be thinking on. Here's a good list to start with of things you could be thinking about. And so when those thoughts start creeping into your head, you're supposed to take those thoughts and do what? Have y'all read this book? Bring them into submission under the feet of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to do that. I don't have to because of the power and authority that lives inside of me. I can squash that thing like a bug. Let me think about something noble. Let me think about something worthy. Let me think about something positive. And we, through the power of Jesus Christ, take control of this thing up here that tends to wander off somewhere and that is called, somebody's going to get this and it's going to change your life, a transformation of your mind. And that's what it talks about in Scripture when it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Some of you have read the book. That's awesome. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I didn't realize it mattered what I thought about. That's just me and I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, it does matter. And yes, you are hurting somebody because the things that you got going on in your head will eventually come out in your life and I don't want you doing that. And God doesn't want you doing that. So stop it. Is that direct enough? 
Don't do that anymore. I rejoice greatly. Oh, I about forgot. He says after you thought about all those things, those are the things you need to be thinking about. What does he say at the end? And the God of peace will be with you. At the end of that battle that takes place on a minute by minute, day by day, week by week battle for what you're thinking about, he says, if you'll do these things, if you'll find some success right there, and I'm telling you right now, you might not get it perfect, but practice it. You're not a perfect baseball player. When you start practicing, you'll never be perfect, but you got to gain on it. Somebody in the house say gain on it. Oh, I'm tired of sitting back and not gaining on something. If I'm going to win this thing, if I'm going all the way, eventually I got to start gaining on something. Some of y'all are still on the sidelines and you're waiting to see how the game's going to come out. Get in the game. Gain on it. I got to move forward. I got to start thinking about good things. And Paul says, when you do that, the peace of God is going to come and be in you and in, in you completely. That's powerful stuff. You want peace in your life? Think about good things. I rejoice greatly in the Lord at last. You have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. And he goes on and talks about the fact that they gave and he received that giving. But he also talks about how he had found a way to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be joyous, regardless of his circumstances. He says, I I found a way to be content, whatever the circumstance. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And here's the verse that all of you have seen before. It's been misquoted since every time and everywhere. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Has anybody ever seen that on a poster in the coach's office? He's just trying to get you to win the game. But Paul's context to that is that in every moment of life, regardless of your circumstances, you can find contentment because you can do all things, say it with me, through Christ that strengthens me. The NIV translates it and says, through all things because of Christ who strengthens me. It's in the midst of all of the contentment and non-contentment. We still have strength. We don't lose it because stuff's not going right. We still have strength. We have strength because God's word says we do. Whether we win that battle or lose that particular ball game or battle, it's still his strength that's inside of us. We can do all things. Will you turn to the person beside you and say, You can do all things. And just like it was when we talked about the word all earlier, there's nothing you cannot do with Jesus Christ inside of you. You can do all things through Christ. So it's peace. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. Once you feel the peace that Paul's talking about, you won't want anything else. Once you get a little taste of this kind of peace, you won't want to go back to the way it used to be. You'll just want more of that peace. 
More of the peace of God. More of that thing that you cannot comprehend, you can't understand. How in the world can I be peaceful in the midst of this? Have you ever met anybody that was peaceful in the midst of something and you were thinking, how in the world are you still standing there? And how in the world are you standing upright? Anybody? I have. It's the peace that passes understanding. So in that, will you quit trying to understand it with me today? I'm a real analytical guy and I got to understand it sometimes before I'll believe it. And I've been God smacked so many times about that because he's like, will you just believe it? Will you quit trying to understand it? Will you just receive it? Will you just open up your heart and open up your mind to me, read it in my word and say, if Jesus said it, I believe it, I believe it because he said it and I know, yes I know, that the Lord is going to see me through. It's just going to happen. But I got to follow his commands. I got to heed these words. I have to rejoice in the Lord always. Don't take a part of your day and say, I'm not going to rejoice the Lord here. Make it effort and be consistent and say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord right here. I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to make it evident that I'm being gentle. Even when I should lash out and come back at somebody, I'm going to be gentle because the Lord told me to. And every time I catch myself thinking things that aren't pure and holy, every time I have anxiousness, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I, I'm going to come into his presence. I'm going to, I, I might need to step out of my office and go do that. Just, just, I, I got to get somewhere. I, I can't live like this. I can't let those thoughts permeate who I am. Peace will become your guard at the door. The guard to your heart, to your mind. You'll feel the peace that passes understanding. Come in and be a part of your world. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I know this. I know that there is a overabundance of turmoil and pain and suffering and we'll just call it bad stuff going on in our world. I'm not of this world. So I can see it, I can acknowledge it, but I'm not of this world. I'm of a different world. I'm of the kingdom of heaven. And so I can have peace in my life even when the world around me is not peaceful. I want to have peace in my life even though the world around me is not peaceful. And so, we're going to pray together and we're going to ask him to bring his peace to our church, to our land, to, to his kingdom. But I, I want you to make this personal this morning. If, if you need peace in your life, if you need the peace of God that passes all understanding right now, in this, in this moment, today, that's what he wants you to act on. He wants you to act on right now in this moment. He brought you here 
he allowed you to listen to this live stream or this podcast because he wanted you to hear again, or maybe for the first time, I'll be your peace. I'll guard your heart and mind. You, you don't have to do this on your own. So maybe the peace that you don't feel in your life, the peace that's absent in your life, is Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You need to do that today. I compel you to do that because you will never find peace without him. It's impossible. It won't happen. You will struggle your entire life looking for it and it will not happen. The answer is Jesus and he's here. So maybe that's you. Maybe you need to accept Jesus today into your heart. Would you be bold enough to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Don't forget me in this final prayer. Anybody in the house? Anybody? It's about being real with ourselves and saying, this is where I'm at. Maybe you are a Christian and, and you do have Jesus in your life and you're on your way to heaven, but you don't live in peace. You, you live in fear and anxiety. You find yourself after a, a quick evaluation not being gentle with people. You speak before you think. And you need some peace in your life. Things are just in turmoil right now and, and you're just uh, up in the air and you, you need some peace in your life. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, don't forget about me in this final prayer time. I, I need some peace in those areas in my life. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe it's your thinking. Maybe you lose the battle of your mind on a regular basis. Maybe you lost that battle this week. Maybe you lost it this morning. And you desperately need somebody else to take control of guarding your heart and mind because you're not doing a great job at that. And you feel the Holy Spirit pulling on you this morning and saying, you don't have to lose that battle this coming week. Anybody? Thank you, thank you. Hands all over the place. Do this with me. Can everybody stand up across the room? Now, just so you know, if you're not used to church, this is a holy moment. Because what God does when we ask and when we come to Him with a heart to want to change, is He answers. Is He answer, Shane? He says, I see you. I see you crying out for me. I see that you've responded to my Holy Spirit. And what I want to do, God says, is I want to help you with that. So what I need is my prayer team. Anybody who's on the prayer team, I need you to come right here quickly. And if you raise your hand for any of those reasons, I need you right now to feel the boldness and the confidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, whether you know it or not, to walk down here. And I need you to tell one of these fine people why you walk down here. Now, they're here because on a regular basis, these people and more that aren't here this morning pray for your needs. When you send a prayer request through the website, it ends up in their inbox. Is that right, Marsha? And they take that to the throne of God for you on a daily basis. So. You come now. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, I should have. I should have I raised my hand. I just didn't want to be embarrassed. 
Now's not the time for that. Now's the time to say, I hear you, God. I feel that pull. Move. I need some people moving. I saw some hands going up, so now's the time. I got some anxiousness and some fear in my life. I need some help with that. I don't know Jesus. I need some help with that. I, I, I need to practice my thinking. I, I keep losing the battle of my mind. Listen to me this morning. You don't have to lose the battle of your mind anymore. You come down here and someone's going to pray with you and we're going to believe with you and stand on his word. Do we believe his word is true or not? Huh? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to lose this week. You don't have to lose this week. The rest of you just be praying. We're going to let them pray for a minute. I'm not going to interrupt that by moving forward until the Holy Spirit does in them what they need to do. If you need to be seated, be seated. But I, I would hope that you're praying. If you need to move around like I do to pray, you move around. Feel, feel the freedom of the Holy Spirit in this place to move from your seat. You don't have to sit there. If you see someone down here, you want to come pray with them, come pray with them. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? It's not too late. We're still here. He's still here. This could be your moment. This could be the time when you get victory over that in Jesus' name. Just move in this direction. Don't, don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to all of us. He's, he's a liar. That's his job to lie to you and convince you today's not for you. Don't take that. Praise you, Lord. Now, if you're a spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your voice and thank Him for what He's doing here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit can bring conviction, can bring healing, can bring deliverance, can bring peace. Thank you that you're still working today. It wasn't just what you did then, it's what you do now. Thank you, Jesus, that when someone cries out to you and says, I need help, help is on the way. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you meet us in our need. That we need to do nothing else but lay ourselves before you and ask for you to help us. So, Lord, today we covenant with you to follow your word and to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When we get an opportunity, Lord, to rejoice and praise your name, we're going to take it. Like somebody was handing us something of great value because that's exactly what it is. We're going to rejoice in you. Lord, we're going to be gentle in our relationships with other people. We're going to make sure that that's evident. Forgive us of a hot tongue that lashes out at our brothers and sisters in Christ that allows a relationship problem to remain intact knowing that we are the ones that should take a step and go fix that. Forgive us, God. And help us to be gentle so that the world will see the evidence of that gentleness and want to be like Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for being anxious people. Forgive us for allowing anxiousness and fear to stay in us. We ask that you would come and that you would take that anxiousness and fear and that you would drive it out of us and replace it with your Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit that is bold and confident and courageous like you've called us to be. Oh God, if we'll do those things, you promised us in your word that you would come and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So admitting and knowing that we can't do this on our own, we lay this out before you today, God, and we ask you to come and guard our hearts, guard our minds. God, there's some people in this room under the sound of my voice that lose the battle in their mind every day. We come against that evil spirit that would, would permeate their minds and convince them that they can't live without this thing, that they, they're doing it in secret and that it's okay, it's not hurting anyone. It is hurting you. It is grieving your Holy Spirit. And so we come against that in the name of Jesus and we ask God for a renewing of our minds. Will you pray to him and ask him to renew your mind today? Oh God, renew our minds. Help us to check our thinking. Help us to think on things that are pure and lovely and wholesome. Oh God. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. And now in the midst of that, the key that unlocks the blessing is to worship Him. Did y'all hear that? It's to worship Him. Whether you feel like it or not, praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He's done. If you're here, you're breathing. Praise Him for that. 
Praise him because he's holy. Praise him because he's God. Praise him because he's very, very capable. Praise him because you got to eat breakfast. If you didn't eat breakfast, praise him because you're hoping you're going to have lunch. Praise him for something. We can all find some reason to praise his name. And that's what we're going to do together. So Lord, as we worship you one more time before we leave this place, I pray that inside me, you'll light a fire or fan the one that's already there, that you'll make it bigger, brighter. Lord, I might look silly like David did when he danced around in front of everybody. But I don't care this morning, God, about that. I don't care how it sounds. I don't care what the people in this room think. You are my God, my Savior. You did something for me I can't do for myself. You saved me. You poured your grace and mercy on me. You keep me in the palm of your hand every day, every minute, so I can't be snatched out by the enemy. And for that, amongst a billion other things, I praise you in Jesus' name. tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.